What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. And for the first time in what seems like a year, we have the entire crew together. It has been it's been a crazy year for this podcast. Like we we have all had different things going on in life that has kind of kept us from being a full crew most of the year. But here we are tonight. The Grizzlies beat the Nuggets at home 112 to 94. And I was glad to see them bounce back here because the loss to the Sixers was brutal. I planned on doing a post game after that one. I, it would have been me solo. And the end of that game just pissed me off and, and I didn't do it. And I like, I'm no need to sugarcoat it. It just is what it is. The Grizzlies led that game from like nine minutes in the first quarter, like 40 seconds left of that game and, and just donked it away. That there was, yeah, I'm not going to, let's talk about the positive game, the win, 112-94, <laughs> beat the number one team in the West. I, I'm not going to beat them up. I'm going to try and be positive all night long, but I'm, I'm going to throw it to you guys. Candace, it's been, you've been away the longest. Welcome back. Glad to Thanks. have you. Uh, and, and you choose what you want. I don't even have a question for you. Just let us know what you think about the Grizzlies because we haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting watching the team uh, from afar. It's definitely been, I think, the definition of a roller coaster ride, or, or really maybe more down than up more <laughs> than anything. But tonight was a good win. It was just good to see. For one, I, I think it was important for me to see Jot play better, uh, just because he's been playing so bad the past two games. Uh, just to look engaged and to see the hustle and to see the effort, and that was what I, you know, was beginning to get excited about. I, I didn't, I normally had never question Jot's effort. Like if there's an effort thing, it's generally because it's like a back-to-back or something understandable, but just these past two games, and he just kind of seemed checked out, and um, he definitely had some plays where he turned it up, you know, made made the hustle, made the effort to get out in transition, um, and made the effort a little bit more defensively tonight. Um, so you just want to see your star players play well, and that it, it, it began to be a concern. Um, so you know, it could have had a better game from Jaron, but you know, you like what you saw from 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 Ja, especially he's the one, he's the leader, and um, you know, just the whole team to get to see the bench um be, be able to make some valuable contributions. That's been an issue this season. So good win. Um, definitely against a great you know, it's a great opponent and uh helps helps them a little bit get some cushion in the standings because they were getting to the point where they were kind of needing that too. So we saw Tyus kind of bounce back. He had been struggling before the all-star break. And this kind of looked like what we expect to see from Tyus. I I wanted to jump in here, Isaac. And then when Isaac goes, Candace, we'll we'll throw it right back to you. The the graphic, and I know that's not tonight's game, but but the defensive graphic, opponent field goal percentage with Ja Morant as the final defender, he was – very very high i think what was he top three top two i can't remember two? Was, yeah he's number yeah, two just way up there and i, was and I didn't wait by that i i didn't think that was accurate i'm like man is this for real like did that really happen and so candace mentioned kind of the effort from him on the defensive end because going back to that 76ers game, there were some times it felt like he was checked out and and I haven't seen that from him very much. And you would think in a game like that coming out of the all-star break against a championship hopeful team in the Eastern conference that he would be up for that game, but it felt like he just wasn't there. 
Yeah, man. Uh, and I said going coming out of All-Star break, once it was revealed that Steven Adams probably wasn't going to play in either one of these two games, I was like, man, you're going up against uh, Joel Embiid, you're going to go up against Jokic without Steven Adams. If you can get a split, I think you'd be happy with that. And they did get the split, but, man, they probably should have been 2-0. and They should have gotten both of these games. But kind of your point about Ja, it, it's weird because if you remember going back last year, it was kind of the same thing around the All-Star break. He seemed to, I don't know, it's the second year in a row where just this body language, the mood seemed to be down. It was kind of like that last year. I kind of made a comment about that last year. He just seemed off. I mean, he in the All-Star game, he doesn't really, he's not aggressive in the All-Star game. He doesn't, I don't think he enjoys the All-Star weekend, if I'm being honest. Like, not you see yet. his interviews, he, he doesn't really want to be there, I don't think. And it's, it's kind of carried over into even prior to the All-Star break. And a little bit after the All-Star break, even last year, you kind of saw him kind of go in the shell a little bit, kind of struggle a little bit. And it was good to see him break out of that tonight. Um, 23 points, seven rebounds, four assists, uh, still uh, nine of 18 from the field, uh, plus 19 in 24 minutes. Only 24 minutes, man, and put up 23 points. I mean, that's really efficient tonight as well. Uh, you just saw him being a more aggressive, uh, doing some playmaking as well, kind of, kind of bouncing that tonight. It wasn't Go get me a bucket jar and not not taking any any bad shots, just getting pretty much what he got it within the offense. So I was glad to see him back. And you talk about Tyus Jones. And me and David talked about this on the last time we were on here together. I, I spoke about him. One of the the quiet parts about their struggle, that losing streak, was Tyus struggles. Um he had been really, really struggling. And to see him come out and, and bounce back tonight, that's definitely a good sign, man. Him going five or ten from three, because he had been on fire from three, and I think over the last month it was something bad he was shooting like 12 percent or something from three over the last month uh i think prior to the all-star break uh so to see him come out 50 percent five and ten from three man that's big for him uh for him to get that kind of production off the bench man bc another nice night for him eight points nine rebounds and it's just a good win i mean they needed a win sacramento had that crazy win last night moved within one and a half games man you get this one uh puts you back up two and kind of gives you a cushion uh, to kind of try to hold on to that two seed. Uh, I, I think it's really important for this team to hang on to that two seed, especially when the landscape of the West is the, – the teams in the West have leveled up. There, there's no question about that. And this team has struggled on the road. Um, and to have that two seed and to have home court advantage, if you, if you do advance out of that first round, I think it's going to be big for this team. So, I mean, with, with 20-something, 20 20-plus 20 games left, uh, if they could just play pretty good basketball, I think they'll hold on to that two seed. And I think tonight's win will go a long way in doing that, man, because they got a, a brutal schedule this month, man. It's not gonna not gonna be easy, man. Uh, not gonna be be any gimmies uh, coming up in, in the next few weeks. So anytime you can get a big win like this, man, on the home floor, it, it's a good thing. So are you are you buying or selling John Morant stepping up his game on the defensive end, being one of the the better, man? I, I'm not ready to crown him as one of the better defenders in the league, but based off of that graphic, you know, everybody else on that graphic, you're looking at guys that either have been defensive player of the year. Because Jaron's like number 10 on the list. Yeah, I think Jaron was down to number you know, 10. And I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, I think Giannis was one. Ja was one, two. Ja was two. Yeah. yeah. You know, you had some very good defenders on that list. And it was like, okay, one of these guys is not <laughs> like the other. It seemed like it was an outlier. So do you think that that is an actual leap that we're seeing from him? Man, I've talked about his increased effort and 
and attention put on that end all year, but I definitely didn't think he was would you would see that. Uh when when I saw that graphic, I was like, man, is this a joke or what is like I like I said, he is definitely show more effort on it in this year, but I didn't expect that. I think they said opponents are shooting 44, I think it's 44.4% uh, percent, uh when, when he's their final defender. Uh, to see him top two in, in the NBA, that's that's crazy. Um, I mean, you can, you can look at numbers different kind of ways, but to see him on a list like that, that's not something that I that I would expect. Um, I, I did a double take when I started coming across the feed. I was like, man, I, I went and did some research, and, and the numbers seem to be correct, uh, but he definitely puts more effort on on that end, I don't know if I'm buying that he's the number two defender of the league or anything like that, or defensive player of the year candidate. But he's definitely he's definitely improved on that end. He's put more effort in. I think in, in previous years he didn't always necessarily put in the effort. Uh, he had an effort on the offensive end. He just kind of flowed out there on the defensive end. You haven't seen as much of that this year. You have seen certain certain games, like you talked about the Philly game. Uh, there were times where he kind of seemed to be checked out a little bit. Uh, but when he's engaged. Um, he he's been much better on that end this year, but that that number was definitely surprising to see for me. Let let me give the context to to that statistic. So I'm gonna say that I guess I'll go. I'm not buying it, but I do believe that that he's improved defensively. So at least compared to last year. So one of the things that and there was another graphic. I'm trying to pull it up now, but there was another graphic that I saw following that that explained that I think he had like the fourth less least difficult opponent guarded right so like they kind of hide him on defense now the the person they hide the on defense the most is Tyus Jones like he gets the worst defensive opponent on the team and I think there were three or four people ahead of Josh so Josh doesn't get the worst opponent on the team but he does get weaker opponents so that gives you some context um and then they're not there are it's, it, there are more point guards in this league that are becoming you know you know, dominating the league but there are some who are just kind of basic point guards so I think there is some context to consider I think the level of opponent that he's guarding makes a huge difference um I think that should be considered so I'm, I'm not buying that he's one of the best guard you know defending guards in the league because he would I think if he played you know top tier point guards matchup for matchup I, I think he'd get cooked quite honestly but but he has made in terms of his effort um there is some improvement there and so there's a reason why he's showing up because I think last year he wouldn't show up no matter what no I think I think last year like regardless of the level of opponent the deep like it would just be bad um so you're seeing some progression there but but no I don't buy what that graphic is selling specifically Okay, fair enough. I, I I tend to agree with you guys on that. That was, I I I just admit it, I felt like it was flat out wrong. I'm like, there there's no way that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I was thinking. I was like, <laughs> I so, had to go, I had, I had to go right up and, and look up some stuff. I was like, man, I'm yep. this is crazy, man. <laughs> Same thing, man. I I went to digging whenever I saw. I'm like, yeah, this it just feels wrong. But you know, like you said, Candace said, context matters. So the the opponents that he's guarding the people that he's closing on like that that obviously makes a difference yeah i i want to bounce back to the 76ers game we didn't do a post game there and i said i wasn't gonna hammer on too hard i'm not but i want to point out something i i saw a lot of chatter about x being in that game over bc and rotations like we've been having the rotation conversation 
I don't want to beat a dead horse. I think that most everybody knows how we feel about the rotations, but I just, I cannot understand why there are not different changes made during the game. When going back to last year in the postseason, the Golden State Warriors attacked Brandon Clark. Whichever guard had the ball, they would bring his man out to screen and get Brandon Clark switched on a guard. In that 76ers game, they were doing the same thing with yep. James Harden. Whoever X was guarding, they were bringing him out to screen for James Harden. So you could switch, and if it was X, if it was BC, they were targeting those guys. You can make adjustments to stop that from happening. Yeah, Jaron matching up against Joel Embiid in the post is not a great matchup. The NBA averages five post-ups in a game. It's actually less than five. It's like 4.8 something. Let Jaron play the five. Play Dylan Brooks at the four and have another guard out there so they can't just switch that because they were getting killed. That that right there, that is a fatal flaw in this team's defensive scheme that they're going to have to do something about or when they get into a series against a team where the talent level is equal, they're going to get beat because of that. Uh, the Golden State Warriors exposed it last year, and Philadelphia, the the way they got back into that game was by attacking BC and X. You cannot let them switch onto a guard. And, and I love those guys. I, I think that they're both good defenders. But if that's what they're going to do, change it up. You you know, play run Luke Kennard out there. Let Dylan Brooks play the four. Dylan Brooks has played the four. He's guarded fives. Like run a smaller lineup out there. And don't play B, C, or X. If you end up getting killed that way, at least you tried something. But the fact that there was nothing, that I know that they see it. I There's no way that they're sitting there watching this happen, and they don't see it. They get paid big bucks to be in the position they're in. Somebody on that coaching staff sees what's happening, and nobody's doing anything about it, and it's driving me crazy. So... Man. I'll say this. When I last left off, I was beginning to question Jenkins as, as a coach. I've seen enough. I, I I will I will go ahead and put I will put it out there. I will make the statement. I don't think he's the guy. I don't think not not for the team to get over the hump. He's been a great developmental guy, a great culture guy, and he is a good coach. So let's not mistake. I'm not saying he's a poor he's a bad coach. I'm saying for what this team needs and the ability to maximize talent and make adjustments. The book has been out on the Grizzlies for well over a year. I don't know that there are many teams that you can definitively definitively point to their, this is exactly how you attack them, because most coaches have adjusted to whatever, whatever it is that you that their weakness is. They The coaches made some sort of adjustment. The, the Grizzlies are one of the only teams I can think of that if you have this game plan, it works since like last year, like, all of last year, too. Um, I just think a lot of teams know that. And it, I agree with you, David. It's going to kill them in the playoffs. Um, the inability to adjust, it's really regressed. It, ha- it, it has regressed. I, I, I was on, I mean, he showed some potential last year, but he just seemed so mechanical, so methodical, so much of this is my process. 
The Grizzlies don't need that. And you got a defensive player of the year front runner, and you can't put him on and beat. Like you're almost hiding him in a sort of way. And I just don't think you can win a lot of playoff game basketball like that. You can win some regular season games, but in terms of how far you're going to get in the playoffs, you got to be able to make adjustments. You just do in the playoffs. It is a adjustment type of game. And Jenkins has shown all year that that's not what he's going to do. Um, and you have to have X a lot of talent to overcome that. X and DB are about the same size. X is 6'8", 6'9", DB 6'7". If you don't want to put Jaron Garden, Joel and B, put Dylan on him. Why like, don't I'm, you want to put – why, why wouldn't I, you I'm, not, I'm just saying it. If that's something that they don't want to do, you you know you had in that Minnesota series, and I know Carl Anthony Towns and Embiid are different players, but you had Dylan guarding Carl Anthony Towns. Put him on Embiid. If you don't want to match Jaron up on Embiid because you're worried about foul trouble, put Dylan on him. It, it just, I, I don't know, man. It, it I got so mad watching that game. Because it was just the same thing. And the ease of which they were making the switch is really what burned me up. Because typically, when when Dylan is coming up to get a screen, like if he's the primary defender, he's trying to get skinny to fight through the screens. But it's just like they get to that point, and they don't even really have to screen. They just run Dylan up there, or they, they run – X or BC up there and Dylan just kind of falls back onto the other guy. And I'm sure that that's part of the defensive scheme, but it it looks awful. It's hard to watch mm-hmm. and nothing like no, no kind of adjustment. We, we just watched James Harden kind of do what he wanted to do to finish that game out. And then, then that's why they lost. And I was going to say, I hate to, to pile on Taylor Jenkins because he's done some great things. We talk about player development. I think they're probably, this staff is probably tops in the league, but yeah. his biggest flaw and, and the fatal flaw that he might have, as Candace says, if he, if he ends up not being the guy, is 100% in-game adjustments. Um, I, I say he's like a, a robot. He's plug, you plug a program in, and he's programmed to do one thing, and he just never really deviates from that. Every now and then, the Bulls game this year is one where he kind of, deviated away. You saw some different things of rotation. He played guys longer, but most of the time, he's going to stick to that same game plan. Whatever, when it's time for, for guys to rotate out, it doesn't matter what's going on in the game. The other team can be on a 10 or run. He's still going to take John out of the game. He's going to take Jaron out. You just see this stuff over and over, and, and you talk about the, the, the switches and stuff like that, and I don't understand how they sit there and watch this stuff night in and night out. I mean, you have a full coaching staff and you see this happening over and over the same thing as you said this is stuff that we've been seeing ever since last year and it's still they're still doing the same thing and teams have figured this stuff out uh even the fourth quarter jaw hero ball that we see sometimes teams mm-hmm. have figured that out more that's not working this year because teams know what's coming i mean they just don't make adjustments and when you get into the playoffs playoffs is like a chess match i mean it's you, you if this doesn't work you switch this up this team then they make an adjustment then you make another adjustment and Taylor Jenkins just hasn't shown, I, I don't want to say the ability, but he just hasn't shown that he's willing to do it. Um, yeah. Because I, I, he has to see this stuff because we're sitting here watching it. Like, I, and there's no way that they're not seeing it. So I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if he's instructed from the top to do certain things. I don't know what it is. But there's a lot of things that he just doesn't seem to be willing to adjust on. 
Um, and and I, I even getting Jaron the basketball, we talked about that ever since last year. It's better yeah. this year, but it's still not where it should be. Uh, for for what I think he could bring to this team offensively, I still don't think they get him the ball and, and take advantage of mismatches the way they should. So it, that's going to be something that that this is interesting to watch going forward because he just to this point hasn't shown those to do it. So I don't really expect anything to change now. I mean, I think we've seen enough of it now to say that this is pretty much what he's going to be, and that that's not good. I mean, that, that I don't know if this team can win a championship when when you're coaching like that. I I, I just don't think it's possible. It can't. And you have to have a a, a stack. Yeah. Like That's the front office would have to go all the way in in order yeah. to overcome that. But here's the thing, and and here's what discourage what, and and here's why I make the jump I make because it's not like I don't like Jenkins. I do, but the the reason why I say he can't get the team over the hump is because he won't play the best players. So let's say they make an aggressive trade and they get the best guy. All right, well, if you look at the Philly game, Embiid, Harden, all those guys played more minutes than, yeah. our, than our best guys. And they played 28, 29 minutes. And yeah. Starts, and everybody else playing 35. Like exactly. So so what does it matter if the front office makes a huge trade? Let's say they get Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant ain't going to play <laughs> at this rate. Like, based off what Jenkins has shown us, he does not play his best players, especially when the, mo- when, when the momentum swings and you need your best players. He he's not willing to do that, so it's hard for me to. I could probably get on board with them if he was willing to, when the moment called for it, play his best guys, and he was able to do that last year. That's what confuses me so much. I don't know if he's trying a new approach. If he is, I don't like it. But I really, I mean, I miss the guy who would play. He would play the hot hand all the time last year. It was a thing. And I just don't understand what happened to that because I think that made a big difference for the Grizzlies last year in terms of wins and losses. And this year, it's just not been that. How many times have we seen Conchar out in the last three minutes of a game? Too often, in my opinion. Too often. Uh, just because you know, then they'll check them out. But by then, like you've lost momentum. You the other team is on a on a on a roll. It. It's it's frustrating to watch. Um, I know it's supposed to be positive. It's it's a win, and it is. You know, this is after a win, so I do want to be positive. But that's where I stand on Jenkins. That's 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 my take. Um, I've seen enough at this point. It doesn't seem like it's going to change. Yeah, I, I would even I would go as far to say I don't know that it's an inability to yeah. do it. I think he lacks consistency in doing it because Isaac mentioned that Bulls game. You see him do it at times. And when he does it, it seems to work, but I don't know if he lacks the confidence to pull the trigger to make those moves. I, I don't know what it is. It Some of it may be inability. I think just consistency is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the, the players. Go back to the game right before the All-Star break. I know that Jaron had played a, a long stretch and he was gassed. And I had people giving me crap about that. But in the last two and a half minutes of the game, your best defensive player was on the bench. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm no, call a timeout. Let him sit down and get some rest during the timeout. You've got a week and a half off after this. He right. can play 35 minutes in this game to help close it. They ended up winning the game anyway. But I was furious. I'm like, if they lose this game because they took Jaron out right there, mm-hmm. like th- that's just, that's a game that you should not lose. 
and they didn't. It worked out okay. I was overreacting a little bit, but it's little things like that that, you know, it's never a big thing that that breaks the back, right? It's it's the the last straw, the last little right. thing, right. and it, it seems to be with him that there there's just a lot of little things. I was going to say the weird the weird thing the weird thing about it is they had more depth last year, so you would have expected it more last year. This this year, especially with them kind of being lighter on the bench and not having as much yeah. depth, you would definitely yeah. think they would play play the guys more this year. Um, it, it's just a, a, a weird thing. Like I don't, I don't understand it. As, as David said, like I said, you go back to that Chicago game and you saw that he did it and it worked in that game. And people, people get so pissed off. Like when you mention that, like people that are, are have a different, like are on the other side of this kind of argument, they'd be like, oh, well, you can't, you can't play them 35 minutes. You play them 35 minutes, they're going to get hurt. Everybody else is doing it. These guys are younger than some of these other teams and, and they're, they're playing. I mean, I'm not saying you have to play a guy 40 minutes every night, but th- these guys are young. They can play 34, 35 minutes. You don't have to hold them under 30 minutes every night. Like that's as a rule, and they kind of out that like that's a good thing. Like they it's talk right. about it. it's not like it's yeah, it's not like it's like something that it just happens. They mention that it's something that they try to do, which doesn't it just doesn't make any sense to me, especially a team as young as this one. I, I mean, I, I understand analytics are are great. For something, but I think sometimes this team, this organization, is a little bit too analytics based, and I, I think that's where it comes from. I think it yeah. they look at the numbers and say, okay, well, the guys you're playing, guys, this many minutes a night, they're this percentage higher chance of getting getting hurt. I think they really look at that kind of stuff, and I think this whole organization from the front office down is plugged into kind of those numbers, and I think yeah. that's where it stems from. But it, it's just it's not, man, especially when. And I'm not going to say this team is not talented because they definitely are. I mean, they're number two in the West, everything. But with the way some of these teams have, have leveled up, I mean, mm-hmm. you're not – you don't have that talent advantage maybe the same way that you used to. You're going to need to play these guys as much as you can. When it comes to playoffs, these guys got to play. You don't have the bench pieces that you had even last year, and you're just not going to win games with these guys on the bench. You In the fourth quarter, you're down, and you got your best defensive player, defensive player of the year, possible at least candidate at, ma- at minimum. On the bench, when when you're losing, this is not going to cut it. I mean, Josh sitting five six minutes to, to start the fourth quarter, man, these guys yeah. got to be on the floor. I mean, it's just not going to work. And and it's pick your moments, right? In the Philly exactly, game, yeah. that's the time, right? There are some games where you can afford to rest your guys. Like tonight, tonight, you know, the stars played twenty four minutes. Y'all played twenty four minutes. Bain played twenty four minutes. You know, there'll be opportunities that with the, throughout the eighty two game season for you to rest your guys. And I'm not saying don't rest them, but when it's a close game and it's in the fourth quarter, play your best guys. Yeah, you I can't think like, the same script every night. I mean, it's it's, just... it, right. It, it's, it's not that hard. It's, it's not that difficult because the way the 82 game season works is you'll have easier opponents down the line and you can, you can conserve that. And so I'm not saying overwork these guys. I don't think Josh, Aaron Bain needs to play, you know, 35 plus minutes a night in general. But I think there are certain nights where it makes yeah. sense. And the Philly game was definitely exactly. not 100%. where it made sense. And that's where my concern comes in. And, and like I said, I've I, I've seen enough. That's my stance. You can you know, say what you want to say about it, but my stance <laughs> is Jenkins isn't going to be able to get them over the hump without an insurmountable amount of roster talent on, on this team. That's just yeah. that's what it would take. Um, I, I had a solo show, you guys. I don't know if you listened to it or not, but I'm 
I don't even remember what game it was after, but I was just, I was furious with Jenkins. And, and yeah. I said the same thing. I said, this team will not win a championship with Taylor Jenkins as the head coach. No. And, and I, I'm, I'm not backtracking on that. I still think that that is accurate with the, I guess, unless he makes a massive change, unless he shows yeah. some sort of improvement. And if they, you look they just at, load up roster wise, kind of, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that too. But if you look at where, like, you know, Budenholzer is a guy that he he was under for a while. Right. Budenholzer had a good team in Atlanta that couldn't get over the hump, and then he goes to Milwaukee, and they couldn't get over the hump for a while, and they go out, they had Drew Holiday, they were able to get over the hump, and so maybe this is like just a stepping stone for Jenkins. He helps this team developmentally get them right at the, you know, right at the cusp, but can't push them over the edge. And then he goes somewhere else and he's able to get it done. I, I would love to see him do it here. Obviously I, I want the Grizzlies to win a title and I think that they will, but I, I just don't believe that Taylor Jenkins is going to be the guy to get that done. And it, it's for all the reasons that we've mentioned tonight. And it it's frustrating because I think that this roster has the talent when Adams is healthy, you look at the 10-man uh, rotation or even cut it down to an eight- or nine-man rotation whenever you get to the playoffs, this eight- or nine-man rotation is is pretty damn tough. Mm-hmm. But is Jenkins going to play the guys? And, yeah, I know they're going to play more in the playoffs. I know that that is going to happen. But is he going to leave somebody on the bench a little bit too long? Is he going mm-hmm. to do something – that's going to shoot them in the foot like we've seen him do over and over again in this regular season. And that's a big concern for me. It is. And and then it's to me on top of that, it's the late game execution. And I blame the coach. There are a lot of statistics that point to, yeah, I I do think that Jai is less less effective in the clutch. Bain is less effective in the clutch. If we're going to be honest, I feel like that's because there's no sets to run for them. The the Philly game, going back to that Philly game, uh, man, that play that rough. he drew up for Bain, like that was a pretty damn good play. That's like, great. He, it's what happened he, afterwards, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was it was a rough inning, but like he the way he drew that play up, the double screen there in the paint to get Bain had all kinds of space to get that three off. He just didn't knock it down. And so when I see him draw something up like that on a play like that, I'm like, where was that at? It feels like there's been seven games this year that you just inbounded the ball to Ja or you inbounded the ball to Jaron and you're like, all right, street ball it. Go out there and get me a bucket. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't draw anything up. It's like you no. got stuff in there. Why are you not using it? Right. It's like that that last five minutes is it's literally just no sets are ran. No. At all. No motion, no off ball mo like nobody's setting there's maybe one screen. And that's it. Like that, pick, that's the end of it. Pick and roll. And right now with Steven Adams you know being out, the pick and roll is weak because yeah. nobody else really sets a screen sets the way screen. Adams does. I mean they were just exactly. I mean that last five minutes of that game, and they weren't get, weren't getting anything offensively. He was just going down there just whatever yeah. shot they got, just Throwing it up, like what are you it's, doing? It's like no timeout, like yeah, like I like you're not gonna call a timeout and fix this. Like it just kept going on and on, and I was like, man, this is ridiculous. Like I, 
I don't understand how you're watching this and just letting this continue. And we've seen it time and time again. That's, and that's why they blow these leads because they yeah. get into these modes where they're just whoever gets the open shot is going up. Like it's no yeah. set. Nobody's standing in the screens. They're not nobody. People are standing around with their hands on their short on their knees. <laughs> nobody moving around. I'm like, okay, well, reality. this is what we're gonna do, man. It's 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 rough, man. Sometimes to watch and. I, I don't. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. And it, 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 like you said, and you see that play, great play drawn up for Desmond Bain. Got a great look, yeah. man. I wish. I wish on that second look he hadn't hesitated. James Harden wasn't gonna block his shot. Like he no. kind of hesitated on that second one because he felt like like James Harden was gonna block his shot or something. Man, he should have just let it fly. And Jaron, I guess I, I don't. He probably didn't know the time it, or whatever. Yeah. He finished. Yeah, he yeah. just ended up putting it up, but. Yeah, man, that was a great play uh, to get to get Desmond Bain open, and you don't see that enough late in games. Like, no, where was that two or three minutes before the end? Like, I right? I don't know. It, it's not there. It's it's and, not and there. This, is, and that, this is what's scary about it. Like, you you read his pregame pregame quotes, and he's talking about that Philly game. We're still trying to get a good feel. The other night against Philly, we were doing kind of a three man action involving Ja X and Des. We got two really good looks. Obviously, Ja got downhill and Embiid made the great block. We're still trying to find out some chemistry. But but it's like when he's responding to this stuff. It's one new guy on the whole It's team. like what chemistry? I, I don't get it. Yeah, that's man. why I like, said it's too late to be working chemistry? through chemistry at this point. Yeah, like, if you got found chemistry after the All-Star break, you're not going to Yeah, gonna I'm find like, it. no, man. It's you're too late to be talking it. about chemistry. It's 25 games left, man. You're looking for chemistry. That's not. Not what needs to be happening right right no. now. Like you he's, to, he's talking yeah. about the the reads and you need to be refining what you're doing by now. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. My my, I'm holding out hope, and, and this is probably like the hopeful optimist. This is a hundred percent the hopeful optimist in me is that Taylor Jenkins is approaching the regular season as a championship coach should. The regular season does not matter that much. See, I, I you, you, you want to win. You got. You have to get into the playoffs. I understand that, but when it really matters is once you get to the playoffs. And, and I know, like, I, that that is probably not what's happening. But I want no. to be hopeful, no, and optimistic. Even, even that, that, that we will I see that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get you get you don't get to employ a whole new coaching strategy. After yeah, like, games, game one, it was have that work. That's not game how one, man. I'm turning to a completely different coach. Game one, that's not <laughs> nah, how <it> man. <laughs> and when and... he does, I'm gonna get in here and be on your head. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> get game one, he's gonna do some crazy stuff. Hey, go ahead. No, no. I Here's told you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> we have seen him in the playoffs in game one. Played like a regular season game. Yeah. Started against the Bulls. And guess what? <laughs> they lost. And then Taylor Jenkins made the the adjustments. The same thing happened in the Warrior series. Game one. Wait, wait. I can't remember if they lost game one or not. But in those yeah, they lost, they lost. That's the one they lost by one. Right. They, did, they, they do not take advantage. So it's not like we've seen anything to the contrary, right? Like he plays that first game as if he's feeling his way out. And that's not how the playoffs work. And maybe he will adjust that part. I do think that the the best optimistic thing that you can do is hope that he's learned from the game ones that he's experienced because they, they've been pretty bad. Um, that he can learn from that and grow from that. That's the best because he's not going to change his approach. 
Not in the playoffs. I mean, you want you want to see your coach making adjustments throughout the playoffs, but last mm-hmm. year in the playoffs, it just felt like he was just kind of yeah. searching the whole time. Like it wasn't like it was just yeah. You I mean, you want to see the adjustments made, but it was like they didn't know you. You should study your opponent. You should have more know more about what you're going to do going into the series than it looked like they knew. It was like adjustments all Minnesota series, adjustments all Golden State series. There's going to be adjustments, but like not you shouldn't be doing major major thing to decide, oh, well, I'm just going to completely take this guy out of rotation and, and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. Like, I like I haven't gone as far as to say that he can't take them there because I just kind of have a hope that they go out and just add so much talent that they're I'm there. just so good. But, it, it, I mean, there's some concerning things with him. I don't think there's any any question about that. And anybody that's not willing to say that, they're just a homer. Like, if you don't look at Taylor Jenkins and say there's some major things that need to change. I, I don't know what you're watching or you just just intentionally being blind to it. So, Candace, yeah, we that's, didn't that's really we, – we haven't talked to you since the acquisition of Luke Kennard. He mm-hmm. goes four for five from three tonight. He's shot well from the free throw line when he's got there since he's been to Memphis. What do you think about that move? And, and I know – I think I know what you're going to say, but were you expecting them to make a bigger move at the trade deadline – and how do you like the acquisition of Luke Kennard? I love the acquisition. I, I, I think it was great. I think Kennard's going to be what they need. It was a good move. Would you have liked to see an additional move on top of that? Yes, I think so. But I was pleased with the fact that they were aggressive. Because that was my biggest question going into the going into the trade deadline. Are these guys content? You know, you know what I mean? But they try to go after Kevin Durant. They try to go after Mikael Bridges. They try to go after OG Adenobi, and the prices were just too high. But it's a, well, maybe not in Kevin Durant's case. In Kevin Durant's case, they they only wanted to really entertain yeah, a specific team, right? Yeah, he wanted to right. go to Phoenix. That was Correct. always going to be the case. Great. Yeah. So, so I'm okay with that. I'm okay with their approach to the deadline. Um, and the only thing they could get out of it was Luke Kennard. Would I have liked it to be more? Yes, but. I appreciate the mindset, and that gives me comfort going forward. Uh, I think the move was great. I really do. Um, you got you got Luke, you got Bain. Uh, last year they were two of the they were, I think one and two in terms of the best three point shooters in the league. So that's what this team needs. This team needs more shooting. I think Luke Kennard can do a little bit more than shooting. I've been pleased with what I've seen from him from him on defense. People trash his defense. I think he's held up. I mean, is he a defender? No, but I think he's a, a net he's neutral or worse. Right. He's yeah, he, he 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 puts in effort on that end. There's no question about right. that. I mean, you saw even the first game against Boston, he was drawing charges. He right. he tries to get in there and mix it up. I mean, he's he's not a complete cone. Like a lot of people kind of put him in a box that he's a complete yeah. cone. He's not that. He's he's an effort but, guy. And and yeah. that's all you can ask for is effort. I like what I saw from him tonight, um, defensively. Um, and so absolutely. And then seeing those threes threes go down. He was he got four threes today. That's beautiful. You know, you, not a lot of Grizzlies you can say that about. <laughs> it, just lately, you don't, you know, that's not a thing. But so it was a great, I, I love the acquisition. It was 100% needed because this team absolutely needed another shooter. It just did. Um, And so we'll see how far that takes them. If the, here's where I stand on the acquisition, really. If I thought that the coaching was able to maximize the player's strengths, 
I think I would be a little bit more optimistic about where this team can go playoff wise than I am right now. I'm a little bit down on it because I don't know that the coaching can really live up to where this talent on the roster is. For example, I don't know if they could take advantage of mismatches the way they should with Dan Jackson Jr. Um, those types of things give me, yeah, not as happy about it. But, but I think Luke Kennard in itself will help this team. And I'm glad he's on this team past just this year. Um, good move. Good move for them. And I was really excited about it when they announced it. Yeah, to echo Candace's point, and, and and we've talked about this before when and David talked about Luke Kennard, this is all I wanted from, from the front office. Mm-hmm. All I wanted them to do was show that they weren't content to just let this play out and whatever happens just happens. Like, identify a weakness and attack that weakness, and that's what they did by acquiring Luke Kennard. You needed yeah. more shooting on this team, and they went out and got a shooter. Uh, and the fact that they attempted, they made an attempt at Kevin Durant, as you said. They went out there, uh, OG Ananobi. They went out to Mikael Bridges. And to show that they they were willing to make those moves, because before the deadline, I didn't believe that they were willing to make those moves. Like yep. going back to the offseason, the moves that they made in the offseason didn't show me that they felt, okay, like last year we had these injuries in the Warriors series. We feel like if we didn't have these injuries, we possibly could have been in the NBA final even won it. So we need to – make sure whatever weaknesses we have going this season, we need to identify those weaknesses and, and target them. And they didn't do that this summer. Matter of fact, they went the opposite direction and leaned farther into development. Uh, so I, the, the fact that they, at the deadline, they identified they needed shooting. They felt like we needed to get a, a, a bigger wing in here to, to kind of complete this possibly. The fact that they went out and they tried to do that, that makes me feel better uh, about the front office going forward and what their mindset is. I, I just had a philosophical difference with their mindset coming out of the summer and at the trade deadline. They, the, the, the fact that they made the effort makes me a lot more content with long-term, like what their, what their plan is. I just felt like they were going to continue to slow walk and slow walk. And it just didn't seem like they cared whether they put their best foot forward. And I felt like, when was that going to happen? Like and people talk about the windows and windows close, man. They don't just because things look great right now. doesn't mean it's always, going to look the same way they close quickly i mean we've seen team other teams it think when things look great and then all of a sudden it doesn't look so great anymore there's always things that happen injuries guy could get frustrated and worn out you just never know what's going to happen things don't always work so the fact that they made the effort leads me to believe that they're going to they're going to probably could make a run at another big wing this this offseason so i'm good with where they are yep agree so, so let's stick on the big wing thing here and let's talk about zaire he had a good night last night for the hustle against the Ignite. Twenty-four points. Um, crap! I closed the window. Yeah, like he, he had a good game. He had a good game. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't even remember what I had his stats up, but I had something else in the window. Dribble, boom, reverse layup. So, so that let, was nice. Let, <laughs> let's go. I want you guys to rate this for me. Zero being there's no chance that this happened, and ten that you're extremely confident that this happens. That we see Zaire in playoff rotation minutes that are effective playoff rotation oh, minutes man. this year. Where, where are you guys at on that? Two. Okay. Two. Hey, man, she said a two. Okay. Yeah, I thought I wasn't optimistic. Two. I was going to say, I, I was going to say five. Um, I can yeah. see it going either way. It's, it is tough. I mean, you're at this point in the season and you haven't seen it. It doesn't give you great, thought that it's going to happen. I, I just feel like we've seen him play rotation, rotation minutes. We've seen him 
be in the rotation late in the regular season and playing important minutes and being productive. So I can't say – I don't want to say that low. I'll go with five because I think it could go either way. Um, I probably should say four. I'm going to say four because I think it's probably a better chance that it doesn't happen. But I've seen him be productive, so I think there's still a small chance. I just – I don't know if this late in the season you can – kind of get him and work him back in to the point to where he's in a playoff rotation. I think that's going to be pretty tough. I'm I'm going to say four. The reason why you the explanation that you used in terms of him getting back and getting confident. Yeah, because I mean you only got 20 some games left. Exactly. So. That's why I say two. So it's not like I'm not high on Zaire because I am. So so yeah. let me clarify. I like Zaire and I think where he's going, I, I like where he's going. I like that he's developing his game. I believe he should have been in the G League a long time ago so that he could be – I would feel better if he was in the G League a long time ago. And at this point in the season, he was beginning to work his way back up into rotation minutes. That would give me confidence that he would be in the playoff rotation and be effective at this time. But part of it is I think Zaire is mental. It has been, and I think that's been the case for a long time. So let's let's let him – I think the timeline isn't in his favor for that, basically. Yeah, yeah, they probably they should have they should have sent him down when he first came back. Yeah. When they saw that he was struggling, they they, they let that go on way, way too long, too long before they just, before they decided to send him down. So I just play that behind the eight ball now. It's not, it's not like I don't feel he's capable because I do. I just think the timeline to realistically expect that from him. He was extremely confident going into the playoffs last season. He was basically playing starter minutes. So why wouldn't he be? He's coming off of the G League now, and now he's expected to play playoff minutes. I just don't. I think that's. It's not happening. Not 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 that soon. Okay, so let me ask another question. Follow up to that question. He's doing good in the G League. Let's say he continues to play down there. He continues to play well. They bring him back up, and you have to choose between him and Conchar to get min- minutes late in the game. <laughs> Who do you want the minutes to go to? Zaire. I'm not big on Conchar there. So, so let me clarify. Yeah. Conchar, I. I'm kind of out on Conchar. So it, it seems a little contradictive that I would say Zaire after saying I don't have confidence he'll have playoff minutes. Part of that is based off how I know they're going to do things. They're they're going to play Conchar over Zaire. So that's that's the reality of what happens. But my personal preference, I would prefer Zaire's length. I would prefer yeah. him at least to be able to bother somebody um, at the three-point shooting line because three-point defense is strategically – a weakness of their of their game. Um, but I think that will kill them in the playoffs. And I'd rather have Zaire's length over Conchar. Um, and I'd rather have his F- – I, mean, I know Conchar will be better at rebounding, but I think they'll have Steven Adams by, back by then. Hopefully he's able to play in whatever matchup that they're, they're in. And if that's the case, I'd rather have Zaire in his length. Yeah, I definitely easily Zaire, uh, like you said, because of his length on the defensive end. Even though, even though he's not anywhere near finished product on that end, just his size and length, being that that height, can can bother some people. You can ease a multiple, multi talented defender. You can put him on different guys, um, mm-hmm. and and he can guard him. And that's something that you can't really do with Contra. Also, one thing that he, even though he struggled to shoot the basketball, one thing that he has shown the ability to do is run the floor and get those lobs from John. Those are yes. easy baskets. Anytime you can get easy baskets in the playoffs, you definitely take that. So definitely, definitely Zaire is definitely going to be Conchar, as Candace said. We know how how that's going to play out. But if you gave me the choice, it would definitely be Zaire, and that's easy, easy question. And let me let me say this too. 
I think the upside of playing Zaire in the playoffs or playing Conchar, you get far greater dividends too. Oh, what that's part that's... of my answer. Like Conchar yeah, is because they ain't growing. Yeah, right? he's Conchar. That's it. He is who he is at this point. I think he's grown a lot to this point, and I think he's a good player. I think they play him too much, but I think that he's a good player. But Zaire has a lot of room to grow. And I think those playoff minutes, whatever you give him, especially after him playing in the G League, will be more beneficial for his confidence, for him going into next season, when I think he can really have a little bit more of an impact. Because they, I mean, they need him to be good. Like, that, they used the number 10 pick on him. They made that trade. I know Stephen Adams is why they made that part of it. But they really wanted – they said Dazaire was their guy. And they really need him to be productive. Because, I mean, you can't, you can't miss on the 10th pick, man. That's big if you miss – on a pick that high. So this team, especially the way it's constructed, you don't know what happens with Dylan going into the offseason. They really need him to be productive. And as you said, him playing those type of minutes will be much more valuable for this franchise long-term than Contra. Contra is a good player. Like, I, I like him in the role that he should be in. He's in a bigger role than he should be in. That's the yep. big issue with Contra. Like, I'm not yep. hating on Contra at all. He comes in, rebounds, plays hard. There are times where he knocks down threes. He just You just don't need to be in a position where you're – depending on him to mm-hmm. do these things night in and night out. And that's kind of where they've been. And that was my question going into the season with him. A lot of people were all in on it. And I was like, man, he's, he can do some good things. And we've seen him do some things in spot minutes. But but being a rotation player and you're depending on him to be your backup shooting guard, like I don't think that's going to work out long term. Some nights he's going to look good. Some nights he's going to struggle. And, and that's what we've seen because he's just playing at a bigger role than he, he should be playing. Correct. I want to take a minute. I want to give X some flowers here for always staying yeah. ready. Man. You know, and yeah. this, the the Philly game, I felt like X played very well, even though, you know, when they were making the switches late in the game. But when I was talking about that, I'm not frustrated with X and BC and their effort on the mm-hmm. defensive end. But your skill set is your skill set. Your, your lateral quickness is your lateral quickness like that. Mm -hmm. That stuff is not going to change. It was not from lack of effort from those guys, but it just was not a good matchup for him. And he, you know, he was six for six from the floor tonight, 12 points, seven rebounds, four assists. He's doing a good job. He's being a suitable replacement. And I feel like you can just leave him he could be a guy that's, you know, 15th man on the bench. And then you're like, hey, get in there and get, you know, man, play 20 not, minutes. You call his number. Yeah. <laughs> He's just going to be go. ready. And that, that is something I I feel like I probably value him more than a lot of people do just because that's not easy to do. It's not easy to sit at the end of the bench and not get any minutes. And then all of a sudden, all right, you're going to play starters minutes. And X stays ready and he does that. The matchup, why like against certain teams, it's going to be bad for you. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think that X does a good job. I, I like him as a defender. I, there, there's been a couple times when he's been switched on guards that he's done a good job because he does a good job moving his feet, but he's just not fast enough. So, right, I, I didn't want to show him some love. He was a team best plus twenty five tonight in the win. So, I, I don't have much of anything else. You guys got anything else you want to go over before we get out of here? Yeah, I was going to say, to add on to what you said about X, I mean, like you said, man, anytime he, you call his number, man, he's ready to go. Um, always seems to have a great attitude. You listen to him talk, man, says all the right things. Like, was okay. Asked them to send him down to the D-League when they told him that he was probably going to be 
out of the rotation early in the season, he volunteered um, as a third year guy to, to go down to the to the G League and, and play down there. I mean, you're not going to get many guys in his position that's going to do that. Um, and to come in and like times completely out of rotation, other times in the rotation, that's hard to do. I mean, that's not easy to to not know what your role is going to be and to be able to come in there and play the, and perform the way he does when his numbers call. Man, I got all the respect for him. Man, did a good job on Jokic tonight. Um, at times, play some really, really good defense on him, and being on the size, man, that's not something that's easy to do, man. So he's a good guy, man, to have on your team, having a locker room because he definitely has the right attitude. And when it's anytime you have to break that glass, man, he comes in and performs, man. I really, really love X, man. And there were times where people, you kind of, you look at this roster and you kind of start thinking about making trades, and he's the obvious guy to kind of throw in there for for salary filler, uh, just kind of a roster makeup. But, I mean, he's he has a big value for this team. I mean, we've even seen him in the playoffs. I mean, you go back to that, that game against Golden State uh, to, for the Grizzlies to come out of the play and hit that big corner three in, in that game. I mean, he's come up big in moments and been really valuable for this team. And he plays, I mean, at times it's made big plays beyond kind of what his stature is, man. So I have nothing but good things to say about that. Yeah, let me just, before we close up, give give some more flowers to Kennard because I'll be honest, I didn't say this when we were talking about him, but I expect him to be the Desmond Bain of last year for this team because Desmond Bain, the reality is he's playing injured. So he was one of seven from three tonight. I think, not that, not that that's what you're going to expect. You do expect him to knock down a couple more threes, but I don't think Des is going to be as efficient of a player as he's been for this team up to this point. Now, I think when he gets his whole toe thing figured out, really fixed, that probably will go back to being the case. But for right now, I'm grateful for Luke Kennard kind of being that efficient, almost you can count on it, kind of three-point shooter player. I think Desmond is runner-up this year, and that's okay. Um, but I, I'm glad that they made the move. Just want to give some flowers to him. I think he's going to grow a lot with the Memphis Grizzlies. or not Maybe not grow a lot, but I think he'll be more with the Grizzlies than he was with the Clippers, and I look forward to seeing him do that. Yeah, I, I think Des, I think Des gets you've seen him. He looks gassed yeah. um late in these games. I think some of those shots that he missed late in the game, like the Philly game, I think his legs uh with him and that, that toe injury, like mm-hmm. you said, it's it's thought that he's probably gonna have off season surgery. So he's not one hundred percent. I don't think he's even talking about it's a pain tolerance thing. So you should mm-hmm. I'm sure he's going through it at times out there. And Luke and I one thing with Luke, man, they need to give him the ball even more. There was some times yeah. tonight where he was wide open calling for the ball and they kinda looked him off. I tweeted it about that, I think he, he could have a big role on this team uh, just just for four spacing because, I mean, they, they're so deficient of shot makers, man, that that just having a guy like that, that they can knock down shots is big. I mean, you can saw how effortless he was that he was knocking down those threes tonight, man. I'm I'm glad he's on the team. I, I just I want them to use him correctly and put him in the right spot, man, because I think he can really help this team, especially in the playoffs. They're going to need that shot maker. Tonight, mm-hmm. one thing that's encouraging to that is both Desmond, Blaine, Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard play 24 minutes. So that's encouraging to that point. And I don't I don't know if that will continue or not, but I, I like to see that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to see Des cut necessarily. I know tonight was more about the score and where yeah. the Grizzlies were with the lead. But having Luke around that 24, 25-minute range – and maybe see some minutes fall off somewhere else from some of the other guys. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. So he's plus twenty one tonight. Yeah, he, down the stretch, you're going to have some games where you're really going to be playing to win. And, and I'm hoping that we do see. Okay, 
you, you need Kennard in there over Conchar because Kennard please, is a capable please, playmaker. Yes. <laughs> like he he he's a guy that yeah he can knock down the three, but if you're too aggressive on the closeout, he can take you down off of the dribble as well and create for other guys if necessary. So, you know, like he's not going to be a primary playmaker, but he is a guy that can hold his own whenever it comes to that kind of thing. So especially if you especially if you go back and look at he didn't do it so much in LA, but if you go back and look at his tape in Detroit, mm-hmm. he he's more than just a shooter. He yeah, there's yeah, some that, other things that he could add to the game other than just shooting. That's why LA gave him the contract and then you know whatever he had to follow they just weren't using him right. or what, yeah. what whatever happened. I, I don't know what happened there, but he just wasn't seeing any time. So it was a it was a good move. They got him for cheap. And, and and I like the move. I love Danny Green. I love his championship pedigree and what he brings to this team. But Danny Green is a skeleton of himself. And mm-hmm. in the couple games that you got to see him play, yeah, man, he looked good. He looked old and he looked slow. Mm-hmm. And maybe that gets better as the season goes on, as he gets into game shape, as opposed to just being in shape. But I am I didn't have any confidence in what Danny Green was going to be able to bring to this team as far as playing. If they were to keep him on this squad to be kind of like a Udonis Haslam type guy, mm-hmm. I would have been completely okay with it. But I'm glad that they were able to get somebody that's going to be able to play meaningful rotation minutes down the down the stretch for them. Man, he's a, he's a he's a good dude. Like sorry, he's a good dude, man. I was just glad to see him get picked up quickly. I, I didn't know it was yeah. he gonna be a guy that people kind of saw what condition he was in he was still working out that he might not got picked up this year and the first thing he did man when he signed with cleveland was thank memphis thank the players thank the coaching staff man he's just a good good guy uh so I, i'm glad to see that he still got picked up by a team and he's playing uh, cleveland is playing him so uh so that, that's good to see sorry kids no 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 you're good you're good i i agree with you why i, I was gonna put this this i am so high on the luke canard trade that from a basketball-only perspective, understanding that their relationships, kind of politics, et cetera, from a basketball-only perspective, they might be better off starting Kennard than Bain just because of his injury and because you want to conserve him and because he's just not going to be as efficient this year as he will, I think, moving forward after the surgery when he's healthy. Um, I know they're not going to do that. My man was 10 for 20 from the field with 25 points against the Sixers, and 50% from the field is not efficient enough for you? Well, he was four for 13 today. Well, I, but I'm just saying so, you say so he's saying not going like, to be efficient. One game ago, he shot 50% from efficient. the field. Luke Kennard, for all the reasons that you were going to start Bain, right, I think last, like at the beginning of the year, or a lot of the reasons you, you could start Kennard. I'm just, it's a wild take. I get it. Unpopular opinion. I understand. And it's Getting not going to kicked off the podcast. This is Candace's <laughs> last show. It is. Start Luke Kennard over but, Desmond Bain. But here's the hey, thing. I'm, I'm, oh, saying, I'm saying out of he, this one, man. The guy is a shooter, man. The guy is a shooter. He is. The guy can do what? More than shoot, which is exactly what we hope Desmond Bain do. would do, do going into no. the offseason, right? Up. That was yeah. the hope. We were hoping he could do more off the dribble. We were hoping he could be able to facilitate and play make more, which he showed the ability to do. But if you're trying to conserve Desmond Bain for the playoffs, the better bet would be for him to play less minutes right now. Yeah. now oh, I, I know I Jenkins is not going to do that. And it's, so it's really a hypothetical. But I'm just I saying. I don't, I don't disagree with your mindset there. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's yeah. not gonna happen, right? I'm I'm that big on what Kennard can be for this team. He can be the Desmond Bain of last year. Start, was that he's efficient, 
efficient shooter with the ability to play make some. Like Desmond Bain wasn't playmaking a lot last year, but he could do something off the dribble. And I think Luke Kennard is probably in that category. Right now, every time Desmond Bain goes into the lane, he gets blocked. Seriously. That happens a lot. The explosive. Yeah, I, 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 you, you could tell you could tell in the fourth quarter of the game. Right. He just doesn't have the lift that he well, not, has early yeah. in games. He runs out of gas. You can I have noticed that. I noticed that in the Phillies game in the second half, he wasn't the same guy he was in the first half. You could just easily tell. Yeah. So. It's not it's not a knock on Bane. I'm huge on Bane. But I'm just saying he's not healthy. And if I were if I were in charge, I'd be more apt because I think Desmond Bain is a better player than Luke Kennard. But in terms of what's beneficial for Bain in this moment, I'm not sure starter minutes are best for him if you have Luke Kennard on the team. But I get it. It's not happening, and Jenkins isn't that flexible enough. And I understand there are politics that come with it because I still believe Bain is a part of the core, you know, the, the big three, really. But I just think lesser, he, if he's not going to be as efficient overall, and if he's going to, if you see him decrease late in, late in, late in games, because in the beginning of the season, he was kind of the closer. John Morant's been bad at, in the fourth quarter all year. Desmond Bain was the closer before he got hurt, and I think you lose all of that playing, playing him starter minutes. But I get it. I digress. It, it's not going to happen, but I'm throwing it out there. That's yeah, that's how it, it I wouldn't am surprise on the regular season. If we see Des get some rest games like throughout the second half of the season, kind yeah, of, kind oh, of and on back to back, he definitely will. Oh, There's yeah. some back to back left for sure. And so that's I, I'm good with it. Like I, I I get the point that you're making, and I do. The point that you're trying to make, I agree with it, but I just, in my mind, I would just have a mental block of starting Luke Kennard over Desmond Bain. Like what you're saying. Reputation-wise, I I get it. Yeah, like I I just, I mean, oh, like. I get it. And I honestly, like, I think Des, as far as, like, being a team guy, I think that he would understand it and he would be receptive to it. But, yeah, there's. He'll he'll probably rest, but I don't know if there's any way that that ever happens. So. It's it's not. It's really not. It's something that I would do. You know, if I it's something I'm willing to do to shake up the team and and get them through this stretch. And I'm not even sure that I do that in the playoffs because in the playoffs I don't think that's the best move. I think Bain is a better defender than Luke Kennard is. But yeah. uh, I think for the purposes of getting through the regular season to optimize Desmond Bain for the playoffs, it's something to think about. But it it's not going to happen. But I I felt like I would throw out my take because that's what we do. No, and and we're we're glad to have you back for your last show. Throwing out crazy stuff. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I am at NBA D Will Two One. Oh, I am and Candace. At you can find me on Twitter. Sorry, I'm a little rusty, guys. It's been a minute. I'm a little rusty. You can find me at Twitter at Candace H Nine Hundred One. Isaac, take us home. Yeah, make sure you go over there, eat those Grizzlies, give us a like and a follow. Uh, we definitely always appreciate that. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac, double underscore NBA, I-S-A-A-C, double underscore NBA. Man, Grizzlies have a couple of days off here. They'll be back on Tuesday night, man. Early tip, 6.30. Game was added to TNT, taking on the Lakers at FedEx Forum. So that's always a, always a fun one. Uh, hopefully there's less Laker jerseys in FedEx Forum than usual. I think it's been better. Over the last few years, it used to be crazy, but it's not not bad as it used to be. But um, now the Lakers are a little bit better. They think they got a, a non-G League roster now. They they probably going to come out of Woodworks a little bit. So there might be a few more there this time, man, but it's always fun. Definitely owe them one um, after the way that one went out in the form. You had all the 
stuff with uh, Shannon Sharp and all that. So it's going to be interesting. There's been some speculation of whether Shannon's going to come here for that game. So that's going to be interesting to watch. So I'm excited for that. Uh, but that's been Eco Quizzes Podcast for tonight. Man, thank everybody for tuning in. And until next time, we're going.